Welcome to Propel, a podcast by Fellowship Pacific to propel you and your ministry forward in the mission God has for you. I'm your host, Jessica Powell, and in our podcast today, the conversation is around mentoring. Krista Penner from our leadership development team sat down with Anne Miranda, who is the pastor of women's ministries at Village Church, to talk about why mentorship is so important and needs to be built into our culture as the church and as the family of God. So let's get to it. Here's Krista's conversation with Anne Miranda. Welcome everyone to the Propel podcast by Fellowship Pacific. I'm Krista Penner and I am so excited to be here today with my friend and co-laborer in ministry, Anne Miranda, Pastor Anne Miranda from Village Church. Uh, We're going to be talking about the power of mentoring in our lives, the impact that mentoring has on each of us in our leadership paradigm. So I just want to welcome Anne here today. We're so glad that you're with us. And I just want to tell you a little bit about her. So Anne is the pastor of of women at Village Church. She's married to Carlos and together they share the incredible journey of raising Nathaniel and Hannah, two beautiful kids. I remember the first time that I met them, they were backstage at a women's uh, women's event at Village Church, just hanging out with their mom, had the iPad there and they were looking around and just seeing what it looked like to be in ministry with mom. It was so cool. And I've watched them grow in a beautiful, uh, beautiful, almost, uh, well, they're like midlife, mid, mid, middle school. They're in middle school now, getting close to middle school. And so pretty exciting. Anne has just added a third child to her life. Her name is <laughs> the Duchess, a beautiful golden doodle that is going to be rather large, probably around the 50 pound mark. So definitely has added another child to her life. Uh, so we're just excited to have Anne here with us today. Anne has had an amazing journey. She's going to share with us about her journey of being mentored. But she started out uh, in her education at, the, at, at SFU with a major in Spanish, English, and education. Spent the first number of years of her career as a high school teacher in the Surrey area before feeling God calling her into ministry at Village Church. Her call to ministry was just an organic listening to God speak into her life and send her in a different trajectory. And I remember meeting Anne as this was coming to pass in her life as she really took a bold step and left the security of her job as a teacher in the public school system in BC to enter ministry full-time. So Anne, we are so excited to have you here today. Uh, She's co-founded Leverage Women with me. This is what we do. Uh, it's It's an initiative of Fellowship Pacific for leadership development for women focused on our next generation of leaders. And it's so important that you know of Anne that wherever God takes her, she champions next generation leaders. And so today we sit down to talk about her journey of being mentored into the leadership role that she's currently in. So Anne, welcome here. Thanks, Krista. I'm really excited to dive into this conversation with you. I am too. Uh, you know, we do ministry together, we, we do life together, and yet often we don't take the time to talk about each other's narratives. And I am excited today to find out more about your story as we share it with our fellowship listeners. 
uh, just because it's in the narrative that we begin to see things about ourselves and begin to look back and understand where we have been impacted by others that sometimes accidental mentors along the way. So as we begin our, our time together, our conversation today, I wanted you to tell us a little bit about your early life, where you grew up, what you did for fun. Yeah, so I'm born um, into a Lebanese home. I her my heritage is Lebanese. Both my parents immigrated from Lebanon to Canada many, many years ago, and I'm first generation Canadian. I was born in Ottawa, Ontario, uh, and we ended up moving to Alberta. I feel like I've really got the Canadian landscape because I've moved kind of across this nation. Uh, so on Ontario and then um, my childhood was in Alberta and Edmonton, Alberta, and then I turned 12 in British Columbia and BC has been home ever since. So I sometimes have described my home upbringing as not Christian because I didn't really know about Jesus very much. There wasn't really a relationship, but I think it would, uh, it would be more accurate to say I was a traditional home because I did know the name of Jesus, even though I've come from um, a Middle Eastern background. And I also knew that in order for me to have had access to his name, somebody would have died for that. So at a very early age, I would have known and someone would have taught me along the line that in order for me to even have access to the name of Jesus, someone was martyred for me to have that. Very interesting to grow up with that, knowing like a four-year-old, <laughs> you know, this is uh, uh, not necessarily diving into deep relationship with him. And so I uh, really, for, for fun, I did a lot of reading and a lot of ice skating outdoors on ponds because that's what we did in Edmonton. Our elementary school literally had an ice rink in the back for the majority of the year and we would just go bundle up and go skating outside. So uh, I have very fond memories of that. Um, yeah, and I think that as a teenager growing up here in BC, I, I was uh, informed of, of different things like social justice. Kind of, um, okay, we're gonna edit this part, Zach. <laughs> As a teenager growing up in BC, I was exposed to more things like social justice issues and things that were happening in our community and able to, to dig into that. And we can talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I was really, I'm interested to hear a little bit more about that and, and really segues into a, the next question I wanted to ask you. And, and that is, Anne, when did you first sort of have an understanding that you were a leader? Like, when did that first kind of dawn on you? Yeah, I, I think that in, uh, throughout school, school was a real anchor for me uh, to develop and to just gr like grow. I had some great teachers come alongside me in, in my journey um, growing up in Alberta. It was like a beautiful community. And I think at an early age, probably grade three, I remember one of my teachers just going, oh, you are a great leader. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. That, I never heard that before kind of spoken over me, uh, specifically in the area of writing and then just having opportunities doing that, like little cute things like a school newspaper and that kind of thing. When I was so little, as you look back on it, you're like, oh, okay, that was it, you can almost dismiss it as not important, but it was very important in my foundation and my formation even as how I started to view myself and my identity. 
but really it was um, grade nine where I again had teachers speak into my life and just go hold it here you know I want to develop this in you and we actually had a huge um, social justice club at our school and I was just given more and more responsibilities and ended up speaking in front of politicians and being able to be a youth advocate in so many ways uh, and I ended up actually working for the provincial government the attorney general's office where there was a director of our community programs division. All these names have now changed, but working under the attorney general's office, she just took me under her wing and she said, I see leadership in you and I want to develop that. So I was 13 years old and that changed the trajectory of my life completely. And I, I wouldn't say that as a Christian at that time, I was definitely knew of Jesus, but I did not have a relationship with him. So it was a, in those in that really pivotal time in my life where somebody saw something and said, I'm going to develop that in you and took me under her wing to do so. So that's so fascinating as I'm hearing your story, um, you know, your parents were immigrants to this country. You kind of lived in different areas, landed in BC. Um, you were, you know, spoken into as, as someone in grade three, you are a leader. You had these opportunities given to you. Then at 13, that is so young for somebody to come along and go, I'm going to invest in you. I am going to help you. Those are powerful moments in a young person's life. So the question I have for you around that is, do you think that, did you think at the time, oh, I'm being mentored? Or was it more just an organic, natural happening of somebody speaking into your life? What did that feel like for you at that time? Yeah, definitely organic. I don't think I would have formally even known what mentorship looked like until as much older, maybe as a young adult, so then understanding what those words meant. Even in the in the marketplace, whether it was in teaching or in government, we would talk about different roles where there's mentor-mentee roles. Actually, use your first year as a teacher, you're supposed to find a mentor teacher that you work with and work under, and they uh, kind of guide you through the, the rockiness of the first year of classroom management and all of that stuff. So it's almost like what, like as an adult, then understanding that this is a resource, but as a you know, a child being developed really in that way, I, it was very much organic. It was very much, if I look back at it, the mentor looking at me then as a mentee saying, hey, let's talk about these things. Let's develop certain skills in your life. Let's, you know, give you opportunities that you wouldn't necessarily have if I didn't open doors for you. Those kinds of things uh, I could see happening more and more. Um, but as I grew older, I think, certain relationships mentorship is really like a deep relationship and I would have mentors in my life for almost like different themes Krista it's very interesting wow. so if I was looking at leadership development there'd be certain people in my life that would develop me as a leader if I was looking at developing as a communicator then I'd have different mentors in my life that was developed that were developing me as a communicator or in my marriage, there's marriage mentors. And then I'd go to, so it's like not just one person that was holistic speaking into my life, but a variety of people that I was looking to, uh, to ask questions and to lean into relationship with. And sometimes that was me reaching out to them. And sometimes that was them reaching out to me. Now that's really good. So one of the things I really wanted to bring into focus for our listeners, is this idea that oftentimes it's in looking back at our narrative 
we begin to see where God's been at work in using specific people to build into our lives. And of course, it's the hindsight thing. It's the retrospect thing where you really see it. And I thought it would be really great for our listeners, and I'd like to hear it too, if you could recall a story for us about somebody who really impacted you and you didn't really realize it till later, but you you look back and go, what an incredible gift that was to me in my life and, and how it shaped you. Do you have a story you could share with us? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll share a story that is more um, ministry related because there's so many that are we're out of the, the church um, kind of sphere. But in now coming to know Jesus kind of as a young adult and learning about how do I get involved? How do, I wanted to get involved in church in some capacity. I didn't know how or how, where to invest my, my gifts or abilities. There's, uh, again, someone that was like, oh, hey, you know, I see your passion for youth. Uh, do you want to lead this workshop? One of my first talks ever was leading a workshop of <laughs> 10 to 13 year old girls on how God sees them and their bodies. What? like what do I know about this but I was taking the skills that I was learning in school and talking about uncomfortable things that their parents didn't want to talk about and then bringing a biblical perspective and just given an opportunity to share in a really it seemed so minor but those girls talk about this still to today Uh, then I think about like if I fast forward a little bit someone hearing my story and then going hey why don't you speak at this you know, event that we're having, you have 10 minutes, share a part of your story in, in 10 minutes. And although it seems like 10 minutes isn't a long time, it really is. And, and the process of formulating thoughts was mentorship in itself. And then the opportunity to speak on a, fl- on a platform was also a risk. And that's really a lot of the, the times that mentors are taking risks on the mentees. I mean, in my, my story is a lot of leadership development. So sometimes that's not the case as we're mentoring people. And now I find myself in roles of like actually mentoring other people. And it's not always, you know, here, share your story or here, you know, speak into this or that or the other. Sometimes it's just great advice that you're, you're giving yeah. someone, you know? So for me, it's more, I guess I wanted to clarify that piece is that it, there's a lot of my story that's uh, a leader being developed. Yeah, and and that is definitely part of some people's story. The biggest the biggest piece I think that we all need to look at in our lives, and you hit on it well when you said people took risks uh, on you and gave you an opportunity to thrive or fail, but they gave you an opportunity to stretch. And that is such a key part of what happens in that mentoring relationship. I believe it's not just the doling of of advice; it's it's holding you by the hand and going, go through this door, jump off this cliff, get in this car and drive, Uh, whatever it is, uh, you're given an opportunity to stretch your abilities beyond what you thought you could do because somebody believes in you. And I, I think about that and I hear that in your story and go, yeah, well, you know, there was a time in your life and we'll probably get to that in your story where all these opportunities as they unfolded, the natural next step for you was to leave teaching and enter into ministry full time. 
But that didn't happen in a vacuum. It happened through all of these different circumstances that God placed in your life, people who gave you opportunity. I think that's really uh, so important. Um, and so it kind of leads me to my next question, Anne, and that is, why do you think mentoring is so critical for the church today? I think it's a natural part of being a believer. I mean, so much of scripture is Jesus mentoring people, uh, other leaders that if we look at Old Testament, New Testament, it doesn't matter. Really, Paul mentoring people, different leaders, um, even the if I think of the Titus scriptures, older women, you know, mentoring younger women, they're so saturated from beginning to end with mentorship. I think because it's rooted in being family. Uh, so if I unpack this a little bit with you, uh, we're adopted into God's family. And I think about my Middle Eastern family. I mean, we're big, we're loud, we're noisy. I've got hundreds of cousins. And there's a natural mentorship that happens within family. The older mentors the younger, it's an unspoken rule <laughs> that it happens. Whether you are, I remember even before I got married, my older girl cousins took me out and said, hey, this is the download. We wanna make sure that you're okay. Let's do a check-in. This is kind of like the things that you're stepping into. And then I had different seasons in my life. I had kids. They came in again. They were like, it was like watching the big fat Greek wedding or something. They came in again. They said, okay, now you're having kids. This is kind of your, this is, we wanna mentor you through this. If you ever need anyone to talk to, come, you call us first. We're family. And it, it was, it's part of our dynamic. I don't think that's supposed to be unique. I think it's part of being the family of God, where we look out for each other. We take care of one another. Sometimes the younger one reaches out to the older one, but sometimes it's the older one that reaches out to the younger one, the older in faith, you know? Yeah. And so it's critical because we build into being a family of God. And if we don't have family, I mean, that's what we're offering to the world is being part of a family, being adopted into uh, having, yes, we have access to our heavenly father and we we're grafted in to brothers and sisters in Christ where we can actually wrestle through some of the life stuff that we go through. And some, in some of my darkest moments, I have before, in front of you, Krista, <laughs> been like in <laughs> complete disastrous tears going, this just happened to me. I can't believe I'm going through this. You know, help me figure this out. I need you to speak words of not just affirmation, some kind of like fluff. I need you to speak back the gospel to me. I need you to speak back these verses that are like, like that are the living word of God to me to help me navigate through life's tough moments, whether that is in leadership or in family or in whatever relational stuff. So I think me mentorship is critical and it can't be artificial. It, it can't, it has to be some kind of like organic. So um, we use that word organic because in my family, I, it's not artificial. We are, we're part of a family. So it's very natural to sit and have a conversation with someone. It's very, it's warm, it's a safe space. It's all of those things. Um, Sometimes we want to create mentorship as a program and it becomes very like just check the boxes and and I think we lose something if we do that. 
Yeah, I think you're right. You know, we talk, um, as we talk about mentoring in our churches, we're throwing around this idea of building a culture of mentoring. And it really speaks to what you're talking about here when you talk about your family. And it's just the most natural thing in the world that your older cousins sit down with you and go, okay, here's the deal. I love that. That is such a beautiful picture of what we need to be doing in the context of the local church. And it really does uh, become reality when we understand the things that you mentioned, the safety piece. Are we safe in this environment? Are we seen in this environment? Are we known in this environment? As soon as somebody knows they're cared for, they're open to being mentored. Um, when they know they're safe, they know that they belong, that they know that they're loved. And those are things that you're right. They, they're, they're, they're familial in nature. So if we take that idea and we bring it into the local church, we have a different kind of a culture in which we can really build up our next generation. That's so good. I love that. It is a crucial part of what we do in the church today. But why is it? And I'm just kind of asking you this question because I think it's a universal problem. Why is it that when we have a group of people in a room and we go, okay, everybody, we're going to do a mentoring program. So if you want to be mentored, put your hand up and 95% of the room puts their hand up. Then we go, great. We're super excited. Now, who wants to mentor? And one lonely person puts their hand up and it might be you. And that's it. And you ask people, will you mentor? And they're like, I can't mentor. I don't know how to mentor. And so really, um, just wanting to bat around some of these ideas with you today uh, so that our listeners can engage in this. What do you think a person needs to know before they can mentor? What qualifies you to be a mentor? I think I would answer first, almost like seeing it in a, in a chart. I'm such a visual learner. What you don't need as a mentor. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to have your life all together that it's like pristine. You, you don't need to know your Bible like, like a theologian. You don't need to be a theologian. Uh, yeah, you, you don't need to have a lot of money. You don't need to um, you know, be in high level leadership in your church. I think on the flip side of the chart, I would say you need to love Jesus. You need to have a relationship with him. You need to have the Bible as your anchor. So you're going to it for advice and it's driving the, the life advice, um, not just, you know, self-help stuff. It's, it's actual, so you're rooted in scripture. Um, I think there would be as, as just one mentor to another going, hey, yeah, our life's not perfect, but we strive to be more like Christ. Um, I think that takes the pressure off. I think we need to remember that it's about family. Again, I'm going to drill that back over and over and over again, because I think it shifts our perspective. If we think of it like my kids, I'm raising my kids. Um, they're, they're not necessarily sometimes asking for my advice, but I give it. I'm still mentoring them. Uh, my siblings, I don't have sisters. I only have brothers and I'm the eldest. So there's, there's some 
thing there too, being the eldest and being able to speak into your younger siblings' lives. Now we're talking about a mentor being maybe older in faith, not necessarily older in age. I was talking to a young adult the other day who's uh, she's 22 years old and she has a, a group of teenagers that she mentors. And she knows her life is not perfect. She's not married, doesn't have kids. She's just lived life, loves Jesus and wants to share him with, with, the, with the teens and wants him to inform their life. And so that, that is a long-winded answer of, I think we have to take the pressure off of people that when we ask that question, mentees, there will be, I get that question every second day I have an email for people asking me to, to match them with a mentor. I, we don't have enough mentors, but we have all these mentees that are asking, you know, how do I get a mentor? Uh, because so many of them, especially in our generation, are first, I say I'm first generation Canadian, they're first generation Christian. Me too. I, I would say that about my, me too. First generation Christian. They got no family. We are their family. Yeah. Yeah. And the church is saying, oh, I, I don't have mentors for you. Well, do you have people that have air in their breath that love Jesus? They're a mentor. Let's go. Yeah. You know, let's take, yeah. there has to be a willingness to open our, you know, lives, our time to just love on the other. You know, I think That's it helps to, Krista, when there is a beginning and an end, sometimes mentors think, oh my goodness, I need to be journeying with this person until they are 50 years old and I don't have the capacity and they're in their 20s and they got more time than I and all that. I think if we have a beginning and an end, so we've created something recently where it's uh, six months, the mentor knows exactly kind of questions that they're going to go through once a month for one hour with their mentee. There's an experience they know what to expect. They know that it's not like 24 seven. It's not this draining, I guess, draining their time and their energy, but it's something structured. So maybe that would help too, for more people yeah. to go, yeah, I'll sign up for mentorship. If I know what I'm expected of me, I don't want to fail. Yeah, any of the books that I've read on mentoring, uh, Reggie Campbell out of North Point Church in uh, Atlanta, we had him come up and talk to our Immerse mentors a number of years ago, and he talked about having a set time frame. I remember you met him. We went out for lunch. Yes, and we talked We talked with him. Um, all of these uh, experts in this area talk about having time frame around it. One of the things that I think is a hang up for people in thinking about mentoring is they, they don't think they know enough. And the answer to that is if you have life experience and you're willing to share it, if you're willing to be vulnerable, if you're willing to be self-aware enough to know what went great and what didn't go great, and then having the courage to actually impart that wisdom to somebody else. And it does take courage. I think that you do have to stand up and go, I'm willing to admit that I don't have it all together, but what I do know and what I have learned, I would love to share with you. Don't make the same mistakes that I made. You know, one of the things about mentoring that's so interesting, and we talk about this in the Immerse program, is that when we talk about coaching, we talk about giving you questions that help you come to your own conclusions. And that's kind of the coaching model. Like we ask you things to help you figure it out on your own. With mentoring, we go, it's a little bit more like, this is what I did. This is where I blew it. 
don't do the same dumb thing that I did. Let me help you make a better decision. So it's more prescriptive um, because it's this life on life thing where we are, we are family. And I am going to talk straight with you because I want you to go further in your leadership or in your walk with God or in whatever area it is, business, schooling, whatever. I want you to go even further than I've gone because I want you to take everything I know and I want you to build on it. That's kind of the idea that we talk about with mentoring. So it's this open heart, vulnerable, I want to love you like Jesus loves you kind of um, relationship that you have with someone. And it is powerful. Like I think I want to ask you this. So when you think about your life and you think about the times that you have grown, you've been transformed, you have seen um, incredible uh, spurts of maturity in your walk with God, are they the result? Is this what I'm baiting you, Anne, with this question? Are, is it, has it been the result of some fabulous conference that you went to or somebody that walked life with you? Right. That's like I was thinking as well, while you're asking the question is like life on life experience. Yeah. So yeah, conferences, they're going to come go, you're gonna have a high and then you're gonna just leave and you'll forget or you'll reread your notes a little bit. But especially when we talk about mentorship in a leadership capacity, there's so much you, you learn when there's life on life. And what I mean by that is, if I'm in I know we can't be in a room right now, but but watching um, another leader lead a meeting, for example, lead a staff meeting, just watching, just observing them, uh, you're going to catch something that you won't necessarily catch if you're reading, you know, an article or if you're sitting at a conference. Uh, the role modeling, that's so much of what happens in family too. You're seeing somebody else role, live out their life. Uh, as as they're setting a table, as they're preparing, um, you know, to whether it's a wedding or a funeral, there's like so much of life just happens, and we absorb that by being in close proximity with someone. I, I think actually there's a great book called Close Proximity, uh, Proximity Principle by Ken Coleman that I thought was beautiful for people that are mentors, learning about when you have people in close proximity what happens they're trying to catch something off of you and they're trying it's like an elijah and elisha like i want i want to catch this the, the fact that you would use words like i want you to go further longer than me in in so many ways those are empowering words i remember so i worked for a very a short stint of power to change and in the years that i was there um the founder bill bright passed away and we were watching his memorial and don maxwell comes up and he goes bill believed in me he spoke over me these empowering words. We would never know that from the outside looking in. All we see is this incredible leadership guru. We don't know what happened behind closed doors where Bill Bright is speaking encouragement to John Maxwell, like, oh, what is happening here? And he goes, he believed in me. He was the one who encouraged me to write. He was the one who encouraged me to go forward and reach my dreams and go further than he would ever. And look, look at the ministry that was birthed out of that. So there's a part of the mentor, especially when we're talking about leadership, you're taking a risk, but you're also just being a champion for that person that is before you just saying it is awesome. If you're going to advance the kingdom in this way, hey, we're together in this. It's a real body mentality that you may go further than me in this area. And that's awesome. And, and just cheerleading that is incredibly powerful.
You know, what you're saying is so interesting. It just made me think of this idea. You know, we think about mentoring and we talk about, oh, it's a prescribed amount of time and it looks like this and, you know, there's an end date to it. But what about those mentoring moments? Let's talk about that idea. You just kind of hit on it with what you talked about. It's those moments when you walk up to a 15-year-old at your church who's helping with a three-year-old Sunday school class and you say to him or her, you have a gift for, for connecting with people. I want to thank you for giving us your time on Sunday morning and helping us here. I don't know what God's got for you, but you have got something special going on in your life. That's a mentoring moment. You're not in a relationship. You're not going through a book together. You're not meeting for coffee. You're just taking moments to say words of encouragement in somebody's life that you have no idea how that's going to hit them or where that's going to send them or how that's going to affect the trajectory of what they think about themselves in the coming months and years in their lives. Mentoring moments. So talking about those, yeah. have you had any of those in your life? Yeah, I'll talk about one that happened this morning with my senior leadership team. And we were, we basically have these meetings maybe once every six months, maybe. And as I'm in this meeting and my senior leader looks at me and goes, Hey, let's do an autopsy on your heart and on what actually happened over the last six months. It's, it can be a difficult conversation to enter because you're looking, you're doing a lot of like self-awareness and going, yeah, I see where I went wrong here, but I also see where I went right here and, and being able to dialogue that it, it in those affirming words, you're like, yeah, you're an incredible leader. They're, they're speaking words of life over you, all those wonderful things. But then because of that, you can go into the difficult arenas of your life and go, hey, yeah, I messed up here. And I want to do better in this area. And how can I do better? Let's think about this as a team, because I know you're for me. And I know you're for, you know, the ministry and we all love Jesus. And so we sharpen each other. That's a high level of trust though, that needs to be, you know, in that mentorship moment for, for us to, to not just receive the awesome, you know, the awesome praise or affirmation, but to also enter into the, the uncomfortable places so that we can be pruned a little bit. So I think that those mentorship moments, uh, like what you described with the 15 year old, uh, definitely happen. And in it, you can really impulse somebody's life, like impact them so much in, in an incredible trajectory. And I've definitely had moments like that, but I almost find more value for me personally, when I can sharpen the areas of my life that need some pruning and need some um, improvement. That's yeah. where I actually thrive is with that critical. That's good. But you know what? You probably thrive there because you feel safe. Yeah. Yes, so absolutely creating safety with people that you're building into in your life um, that are in your life uh, building that safety so that they can hear those hard things for sure um, and that's all like you've mentioned self-awareness of course that's like the big buzzword these days we talk so much about that uh, we run these e you know the e eq boot camps uh, emotional intelligence intelligence boot wanting people to really grapple with where they're at in their self-awareness which is part of your leadership journey it's part of understanding who you are what God has built you to do what your strengths are and then looking at where you need to strengthen things up shore things up as it were and so all of that 
comes into play in this whole mentor paradigm where you're allowing somebody, giving somebody permission to speak into your life. It kind of reminds me in our Immerse program with our mentors um, and with our mentees, our students, we say to the students, look, these mentors have signed up to speak into your life for the next three to four years. And you, by signing up for this, are giving them permission to speak into your life. And I think that's an important aspect that a mentee has to understand is when they put their hand up and they want somebody to mentor them, they're basically saying, hi, my name is Krista and I'm giving you permission to speak into my life, even if I'm going to have a hard time hearing it. That's part of what it is. So hard, so hard, but so good uh, when it's done in a spirit of love and a spirit of care. So any other thoughts on that before we move on? I've got other questions for you. (laughs) I think this is awesome. I think the conversation, even with creating that space of trust, and again, if I'm really laser focused on leadership development on our teams right now, like we're all going through, this is a hard time, but we can sit and, and, kind of dwell in oh my goodness it's so difficult I we're in a pandemic oh my goodness the whole pity story and or we can bring our teams together and really uh, lean into these difficult conversations and go like how are you doing sometimes just that question Krista builds trust how are you really doing yeah tell me how how are your days going what's happening on the family front right now for you how are you feeling as a leader in ministry right now that's mentorship. Asking those questions show that you care. And that's mentorship right there. That's a mentorship moment. Yeah. And just going, listen, this is, if I'm modeling this with you, you're going to go and model this with the people that are part of our congregation. Well, and that's, you hit on another key piece of this in those mentor moments where you speak into somebody's life the outpouring of that should be them growing in their trajectory, but turning around and modeling that same behavior with somebody else. That really is the biblical model that we see. We see this life on life connection. Jesus made it with his 12 disciples. Then we see it expanded in the early church. We see Paul write about it. We see him connecting with Timothy. We see all these pictures of what this thing needs to look like with the idea that it expands. So we talk about that business model idea of focus expanding, focus expanding. When you focus on one life, you have no idea what the repercussions of that are going to be down the road. Like I think about people who spoke into my life over the years, had no idea what was gonna happen with what they did in my life. I'm sure you have the same same stories. They had no idea what, what was gonna happen with Anne Miranda, where she was gonna go, the people she was gonna impact, the things she was gonna write, the places she was gonna preach. They had no idea, but they took just that one moment and spoke into your life, gave you an opportunity, let you take a risk, and God used it in amazing ways. That's kind of what this whole idea of mentoring is. And that is the piece that I hope that as our listeners are mulling this over, they go, let's, that's where we take the mystery out of this thing and go, it's just you speaking truth and love into somebody's life and letting God take that 
and growing it in them and then encouraging them to turn around and do it for somebody else. The multiplication of that in our churches is phenomenal. Like I, it kind of blows my mind. So question for you. If you had the opportunity right now, which I'm sure you have these opportunities because you're at Village Church and you've got all kinds of 20-somethings running around at Village Church. But if you were standing in a room with 20-something aspiring leaders, what would you say to them about their dreams of being influencers for the gospel? What would you say to them if you had an opportunity to stand in front of them? two things one is they want to be influencers for the gospel why is it to build their own platform in an in a generation where their affirm their identity is affirmed because of how many followers they have on instagram and how much attraction is on social media and so why are we influencing that would be the first kind of heart check question. And if the answer was, I, I want to see Jesus, you know, come and to, to impact lives of people. I want to see kingdom advancing in our country and, and people coming to know Christ and all of those great answers. Then my, my second bit would be, okay, what the word, what scripture teaches us is that this world will know him by how we love each other. And so let's go out. And if we really want to influence, let's love really well, because the way that we love one another is, is going to be contagious where we'll get the world's attention and it'll, we will point to Jesus if we can love well and love for me doesn't mean compromising truth. It means sharing truth, but completely being, um, the hands and feet and, and, voice of christ to this generation that is so broken and so lost and so that that would be the two of my two bits krista that i do get to share with our young people at village church and across this country just going hey guys let's really check our hearts and now let's go out and love well let's be the example of christ on this planet no that's so good you know just as you're saying that i'm thinking about how um it really is a check on what do I really value? And I think it is a struggle in this generation with the social media, the way it is. Uh, fame is a value that mm -hmm. so many people pursue. And uh, I don't remember the stat where I heard the stat, but most people truly live their lives believing they're going to have their 20 minutes of fame. That's how they live. They think they're, they think it's going to come. They think it's going to come. And if we can get past that 20 minutes of fame and just put one foot in front of the other in the morning and go, God, who are you going to put in my path today that needs to know you? What one person, that whole idea of focus expanding, what's one person that I can influence with your love today? Um, I'm all in. I'm all in. It's a game changer in how we live our lives. And you're right. Like it's a, it's a real struggle, I think, for so many young people because you know, it's pretty slick to be able to polish up all your pictures and look pretty much like a movie star on uh, Facebook or Instagram every day. And it's pretty deceptive. 
and pretty mesmerizing. And, and of course, the other side of that is looking at everybody else and going, well, I can't look like them or be like them, so I'm going to do nothing. And that is equally as deceptive and because we're all called to do and be the feet of Jesus and the hands of Jesus. Absolutely. No, that's good. If I was in that room and I was 20, I would go, good word, good word. Now I am not 20. We won't talk about how old I really am, but um, good word. Okay. As we we wrap things, as we wrap things up this afternoon, this has been so awesome just to chat with you about this. I wanted to make our listeners aware of something that we have been dreaming and scheming about with our leverage women stuff. We've been talking about these leverage pods and we have sent a letter as of the date of this podcast, we've sent a letter out to our pastors explaining what we're doing with mentoring and so excited about the uh, framework that we have developed to help leaders on the ground in our churches take up this uh, the, the, the cause of mentoring within the local church. So uh, we want to encourage all of our listeners to look into this. You can, uh, you can talk to your pastor about it. You received information about it. If you are a pastor, go back and look at the email that I sent you, um, if you haven't already. And let me know if there's anybody in your church that you think should be part of what we're doing. So uh, just to give you a little bit of a recap on this, and I'll get Anne to fill in a little few of the blanks here. We're going to be launching in May of this year a mentor program called Leverage Pods. The concept being is for a 14-month period, we walk alongside you as a mentor and give you guidance, give you instruction, give you encouragement, and really give you confidence to be a mentor. And as you're building into somebody else, we have a handbook that Elizabeth Faulkner has put together to give you uh, monthly questions that you can ask when you meet together. They're just a guide. Your conversation can go in any direction. doesn't really matter, but we want to give you something that's going to help you uh, stay focused. At the end of this 14-month period where we have had webinars that you get to be a part of and you get monthly coaching calls from us uh, regarding how to mentor well, all of these other pieces that we have involved, we are going to land together in September of 2022, hopefully post-pandemic. Yay, let's do like a virtual high five over the Zoom here. Uh, we are going to do a ver- we're going to do a retreat at the Delta Hotel in Whistler for a couple of days to celebrate what God has done. With the idea that now that you've been through this program as a mentor, you've had somebody come through it with you. They're going to turn around and want to mentor somebody else. We want to see mentoring get multiplied and become an, a part of the culture and DNA of our churches. So I know, Anne, you've been working on some of the aspects of this. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you're dreaming about uh, as far as some of the instruction that we will have as part of what we're doing with Leverage Pods? Yeah, I think even clarifying a little bit of who who are we looking for to participate in this are women um, in leadership or high high level lay leaders that are mentoring folks but that are like leaders of leaders I always think about that they are the leaders of leaders they will they're discipling other leaders or they want the skills or equipping the tools in their tool belt so that they can develop other leaders 
in, at your, in your churches, in our churches across the fellowship. And so we're talking about making disciples, but we're talking about making, you know, the multiplication of leaders. And so it's not for, you know, Sally that leads the small group that is so content with leading the small group. We're talking about someone who, if I think about it in biblical kind of examples of like a Phoebe or a Lydia who are like, they are the game changers, the Aquila and Priscilla is like that, the Priscilla's, right? So they're, they are the game changers. They are movers and shakers in your congregations. Those people we want to empower, we want to equip so that they go back and they're multiplying leaders uh, where they're planted. And so I think uh, some of the curriculum that we want to use are just great tools for leaders across the board, things that are, um, you know, biblical principles of, of leadership, but also some practical tools that people that we want to interview that would be adding value to our lives that are in the marketplace as well. Um, some great leadership tools to, to learn from and implement in our churches. Awesome. I'm super excited about what we have planned over the next year and a half for this. We're really looking um, at the long game. And so we're wanting you to look around your church. If you are a leader who is leading leaders, who are the aspiring leaders that need to be, um, that need to be championed, that need to be poured into? We want to come alongside you and help you do that. So if you're interested in this, you can contact me at the Ministry Center. You can look on our website at leveragewomen.com. We have a drop-down menu that you can click on that's about mentorship. And in there, you'll find more information about what we're going to be doing. So Anne... We're going to wrap this thing up. I can't thank you enough. This has just been super fun to chat with you for an hour and uh, just hear your heart on mentoring. But we have some rapid fire questions for you that uh, might be interesting for our listeners. So the first one is this best book every leader should read in 2021. Uh, every leader should read that sounds fun by Annie Downs. Because that we need more fun. fun. Yeah, we need more fun. We get really serious and very intense and everything we carry is a lot. And so we need to be reminded to have fun. So is that why you got a dog? Part of why I got a dog. Yes. Yeah. Because we need more fun. <laughs> Dogs yes. are super fun, yeah. especially when they like chew something that was really nice before they chewed it. Like those things do happen. <laughs> but I mean, just look at it. You just remember that you said... Every leader needs to have more fun and they need to read Annie Down's book. So I'll remember that. Okay, second question. What is the top five playlist for your life? What yeah. describes you? Oh my goodness, this is so fun. So that the um, natural woman, <laughs> Aretha Franklin, good, wholesome jazz is my absolute favorite. Uh, probably that song, like happy, um, the Lego movie, if you haven't seen it, everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. That one, I can't believe I'm saying on this podcast. Uh, that one, This Girl is on Fire. I oh, love yeah. this stuff. Alicia like, so good. This is powerhouse stuff. And probably some like, like oldies. I love the oldies. Like uh, some like some Sinatra, something in there, maybe, or some Nat King Cole, some kind of oldies that are, there's so many to pick from. Like L is for the way you look. Like just this, it just changes the vibe. That you need I to think sing the whole thing for us. That was really good. That was really good. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Karaoke. <laughs> 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 
there we go. Okay. Best food you have ever eaten. Oh, my mom, my mom is an incredible cook. So like we've got lots of Lebanese delights, tabbouleh hummus. There's like the list goes on and on. Yeah. Mom's cooking. Nothing so your mom's that. cooking. That's good. That's the right answer. Like if your mom listens to this and that was the right answer. What do you love to do with your family? We love board games. We love going on walks on the beach with a if it's the winter, we're, we've got some hot chocolate in our hand. If it's the summer, we probably have a lemonade. Uh, yeah, that would be our top. Just having little adventures outside. My family's really active. I've got like preteens. They're super active and athletic. And so even, even to the point of me doing crazy, crazy things, Krista, like learning how to skateboard, just so that I fit in with them. <laughs> And make them laugh. I saw, that, I saw that Instagram reel. That was pretty awesome. I'm like, oh, she's a good mother. So we could actually say activities you love to do with your family could include skateboarding. That's pretty awesome. But walks uh-huh. on the beach are going to be great for the newest member of your family because Lucy's going to love walks on the beach. That's really awesome. Okay, last question. Favorite leadership quote and why is it your favorite? Yeah. Uh, so this one is interesting because this is, I'll give you the why and then I'll, I'll, I'll read it for you. When I was 13 and we were part of the social justice club, this was actually where the leadership began for me. I think it was just, there's some deep roots here. And so I, this quote by Margaret Mead was spoken over this club over and over and over again. I mean, we created murals of it. We had it in pamphlets all over the place. We were constantly reminded it was like our motto. And it says, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Hmm. And so I think of that in in now a biblical perspective, because I didn't have that in the past. I thought it was just our our great work that we were all doing, um, you know, to change the world honestly, as committed citizens, knowing that our citizenship is in heaven, man, oh man, could we ever change this world? And so I love, yeah, I love this quote for so many reasons. But Oh, that's good. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I love that. I'm very grateful that you spent this time with us today. We are excited about the future of Fellowship Pacific, excited about mentoring. We're excited about uh, seeing leaders committed to developing other leaders as we are on mission for the gospel. Our mandate has not changed. We are leveraging our collective strength to make a God-honoring impact in BC and Yukon. And together we are going to innovate and we are gonna develop relationships that are gonna propel every church forward in their gospel mandate. So Anne, it's a pleasure to do ministry with you. Thanks for being with us today. I'm so glad you chose to join us for this conversation about mentorship. I hope you're able to take away some insights into how you can be a part of building a culture of mentorship into the relationships God has given you. And if you're interested in this new initiative we're launching called Leverage Pods, I encourage you to check out the link in our show notes to find out more about how you can get involved with that. And as always, before you go, let me remind you that our team at Fellowship Pacific is here to serve and support you. So to find out more about all the resources we have available and to get in contact with us, visit our website at www.fedpacific.ca.